This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. Who wants to get free today? Look at your neighbor. Say, I want to get free. I want to get free from me. Because we don't need a devil. We're our worst enemy. Our thinking mind, emotions and feelings, hey, I'm in the pack. You see me crying here. Because we move in emotions and feelings. But if we're not careful, it'll just take you clean out of your purpose in Christ Jesus. And your purpose that Father God has to you. And I'm going to be speaking, and like I said, a lot of the stuff that's going to come out of my mouth is not on this iPad. So I'm not up here as a teacher. I'm speaking, and you have to catch revelation because I can't teach it to you. It has to be caught, not taught. You understand what I'm saying? And every one of you is going to get different revelation of the things that I say as you catch it. So whatever you get, put in a little baggie and save it and take it home and apply it to your life. I believe this word's going to help you all to get to another level in the kingdom as it's been helping me. I've left Manawa, it's been five weeks now, and I'm still struggling. You see it. Oh, my God, my mind tells me, you ought to be there. Then I see some of the little baby girls. If we, I mean, the girl I took a picture with, we've had Michelle since she was, what, six, three years old. Now she speaks English. She's a young lady teaching classes. And I'm over here. They're struggling, and I'm over here. That God has me where he wants me right now. But we have to watch our feelings and emotions so that God can be glorified in everything that we do. Because if we don't, you're going to be clean out your purpose and you will do absolutely nothing in the kingdom. Your purpose is going to be obtained by a step-by-step, day-by-day action in your life. Always moving forward in a prophetic vision and prophetically forward seeing what's out there and what God has for you. In your future. What does God have for you? You know, for years, I just run around being a Christian, not really worried about it. I'm 54 now. I I can't walk like that. I have to stay constantly focused on my future and what God has for me to achieve what he wants to do through me. It's a process. Now, I'm not talking about the kingdom of heaven. This ain't a prosperity message that you put so much money in the basket. Hey, that's a promise. It's going to happen. Press down, shaking together, just like David said. I'm talking about living the kingdom of heaven here on this earth. This is dominating your thought life so you can live in the kingdom, but not in the kingdom when you die and your riches are waiting. I'm talking about the kingdom of God here on this earth. You know, I saw this declaration y'all did. That's cool. And that's what they're talking about. That's kingdom living. To where you just go outside and out of nowhere, there's a check in the mail. Or you bought a house and all of a sudden somebody wants a house, but you really don't want to sell it. But they say, I'll give you 70000 more. It's for sale. I changed my mind. I just got Holy Ghost revelation. These kind of things happen. If you believe. You know, I spoke yesterday. Jesus, Father God, has a table from here to that wall full of food. Turkey, ham, ribeye, steak, enchiladas, tacos, salads, cakes, everything. And he goes, it's laid out for you. 
But because we can't live in the kingdom by the words that we speak that are dictated by the feelings and emotions, we go down there to the end and, and look at the hot dogs and hamburgers and we say, well, I'm going to get the bun but not the weenie. And I'm just going to stay right here because that's all I'm worthy to eat. This ain't a condemnation message. I want to take you to another level. I want them walls to come down. I want barriers to come down. We are kingdom citizens. We're sons and daughters of God. So we should be living like that. You know, your mom and dad, you know, David, a millionaire, he ain't going to hold nothing back from his kids unless they're not acting right. Then he's going to hold it till they mature and then bless them. So as we mature in Christ, the blessings come. He's not going to give you a million dollars if he knows you're going to be with the rest of them down in Vegas spending it all every Saturday or Sunday from what I hear. He's going to say, no, I'm going to let him grow up. Now, you might not ever get it because you don't grow up. And then you're going to get to heaven and he's going to wipe the tears away from your cheek, the Bible says. Not an angel. Father God is going to wipe the tears from your cheek. He's going to say, I laid all this out before you, but you would not. You would not. That's a scary thing. And from my experience from leaving Manawa, if I don't dominate this thinking brain, I will do absolutely nothing. I will do nothing. I will have no potential kingdom because poor old me, I had to leave Manawa. Poor old me, this isn't fair. And I'll stay at the end of that table eating the little weenies or the bread. Because now it becomes about me. It's no longer thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's thy will be done the way Frank wants it. But if we want to manifest the kingdom, we have to move in prophetic vision forward. What is God showing you? Not in your feelings. I feel like. I feel God wants. No, no, I don't care about that. I want to know what he's showing you in your knower. Not your feeler. Your feeler is going to sidetrack you all over the place. But your knower? I used to drive me nuts. Joyce Meyer says that you know that you know that you know that that's what God wants you to do. Well, that don't help me nothing. But now I understand it. I know I'm supposed to go here, but I don't know why or how I'm going to get there. But when you can discern it, God makes a way where it seems like there is no way, and He puts you right where you need to be in the right season, and you're you're there and not over there, and He puts you there so you can be blessed. But if you're over there, you can't receive nothing because you're out your place. What's out there for you? What are you seeing? Proverbs eleven thirty in the Amplified. Whoever. Proverbs 11.30 and Amplified, it says, The fruit of the uncompromisingly righteous is a tree of life, and he who is wise captures human lives for God as a fisher of men. He gathers and receives them for eternity. Our focus. Genesis 1.26 and 27. Y'all know this scripture. Then God said... Let us make mankind in our image according to our likeness and let them have dominion, dominate everything on the earth. But we don't dominate everything on the earth. 
God says you have dominion, you have power, you have authority to change things in your life. But because we move more in feelings and emotions, we don't use that dominion and that authority. I spoke yesterday. I said, you know what? We, 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 when we wake up in the morning, we should say, devil, I'm up. Watch. Everywhere is everyone you drove on the way to here. You're displacing devils in the spirit, whether you realize it or not. Just because the carriage of carriage of king is inside of you. King Jesus lives in me, and I'm displacing devils everywhere as I go. I don't care if you're at Walmart, Denny's, Del Taco. Now, I'll prove it to you. How many of y'all go to a restaurant and that waitress just treated you like you was, I don't know what? That's a devil that recognizes you're there. Or how many of you, happens to Shelly all the time, you go to a restaurant and they come over and just spew everything up that's going on wrong in their life like you're some kind of psychologist. That's the king living in you. Or how many of you are at work and all of a sudden they said, hey, man, we decided to give you a raise. And everybody else gets mad because they didn't get one. That's King Jesus in you. That's the dominion that we're talking about. It's in you. You have that authority. But if you don't believe it, your feelings and emotions will dominate everything that you do. Yeah, that's crazy. I don't believe all that. All right. Works for me. You don't want to live in the kingdom? That's okay. God loves you. You're going to heaven. But you can't impact nobody's life while you're on this earth. Y'all impact this community, this town, because y'all dominate. Because you sow. Because you have a different mentality. Because if you had the broke, busted, disgusted mentality, trust me, you would do nothing. No condemnation. I'm just telling you like it is. You know, y'all saw a picture of George when I... I went to, it took me seven hours and 48 minutes to get from my farm to the airport. And that's a 48 minute drive. And I finally made it to where I had to get into another vehicle. And George leaves me off and he wanted to hug me. I said, no, 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 go. Because I knew I was going to start crying. And I get in that vehicle. I said, I made it. But I forgot the paperwork to the farm. So I told George, you got to come back tomorrow and bring me the paperwork. So they come and we eat breakfast. And he goes, man, you going to pray for us? I said, no, because I knew. No, come on. Let's go to the room and you pray for us. So we went to the room and I prayed for them. And they out there sleeping, laid out. And George grabs me and starts just crying. My shirt's soaking wet. His shirt's soaking wet. We can't control ourselves. It's not running out our nose. And a prophetic word come out of my mouth. And I said, here's the torch. Run with it. Had peace after I said it. But my feelings and emotions didn't like it much because in reality I was saying, here, it's your race now. God has something different for me. And that's a difficult place to be when you don't know what it is. You talk about sitting outside in a pity pot for days just drinking coffee, asking God, what am I going to do now? I sold my car, my houses, my Harleys, don't have nothing. Now I can't go over there because of the president. Eventually I'll go back and forth, but I know I'm in a new season. But if I don't get out of feelings and emotions, the things I've done in the past will hold me to go, from going into my future. 
And because we're emotional, we like to stay in the past in our comfort zone. Because the farm is built, it's beautiful, the mission teams come in, all the work is done, now I can just chill out. There is no chill out in that Bible and in God's vocabulary. It's all about motion forward in every aspect of your life. So the title of this message is Dominate Your Thought Life. Take Dominion. 2 Corinthians 10, 4, and 5 in the KJV. 2 Corinthians 10, 4 through 5. It says, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down, dominating, taking dominion over strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, and bring it into captivity, every thought to the obedience of Christ, to the obedience of His Word, So when we dominate with his word, everything inside of us has to bow down to King Jesus. It has no choice. And I spoke about this yesterday. I said, casting down every thought. What does every mean to you? You know, real quick, well, yeah, I take dominion. I cast down every thought. But in reality, we don't. Because fear gets by. Oppression. Sadness. Bitterness, getting mad at somebody takes two or three days, maybe a month. I know people that are still bitter with people that are already in the grave. So the devil deceives us and we think we cast down every thought, but in reality we don't. I'd like to think we do. Or maybe it's just me. I mean, my God, I'm sitting here ready to preach and I'm, I'm having to rebuke my own feelings and emotions in the corner. Can't even look at a video that we put together. Well, Joshua did. I just gave him the pictures. Thank God he's got that gift. Or y'all wouldn't have seen nothing today. Which probably would have been better because I wouldn't have cried. He could have helped me dominate, but he didn't. You know, I just want to be real here. We all deal with this, guys. And the problem is that we don't like dominating every thought. Well, Jesus, I'm not at the bar room. I'm not smoking, I'm not drinking, I'm not chasing women, I'm all right. Yeah, but you're always talking about people in the church. You're always negative. My God, I'm God and I want to hang myself listening to you all the time. You're so negative. Listen to yourself. Yeah, but you know. Am I the only one that thinks like this? Good thing I get to lay hands on y'all when this is over with. You know why? Because it takes effort. We only cast things down that we call are the big sins in life. And the devil just deceives us. You don't worry about your finances. You don't worry about oppression. You don't worry if you're judging somebody. You don't worry if you don't forgive somebody. Even though you know the Bible says, how can you say you love me that you can't see and you can't love your neighbor that you can't see? I mean, I made it simple for you. I brought it down from Ten Commandments to two. Love Father God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor as you love yourself. You can't even get that right. Thank God for Jesus and his righteousness. That ain't in here, by the way. 
What's every thought mean to you? Just take that home with you. What does every mean to you? It's a simple word. Simple word. Because then we come in agreement with that every and we justify why we do it. And then we reap the seed of what we sowed because we believe the every instead of the word of God. And it maintains you and keeps you away from the banquet table. Proverbs twenty five twenty eight in the Amplified. Proverbs twenty five twenty eight. It says, He who has no rule, dominion over his own spirit is like a city that is broken down and without walls. Everything just comes in and out. Everything. And the devil steals, kills, and destroys from you daily. Who has no rules over his own spirit. If we can't dominate that, the devil just comes in and out, stealing and destroying. All day, every day, every week. And then what's worse than that is that we like to live in a little box that controls everything that we do. We don't like living out the box because in the box we got everything the way we want it. God lives out the box. The box is controlled by coins, calendars, circumstances, and clocks. I don't have money. I don't have time. I don't feel like it. I can't go to missions. I don't have enough money. I can't help so-and-so because I don't feel good. My back hurts. We got excuses for staying in that little box, but God's outside the box where he wants to bless you. Look, I didn't feel that great this morning. My back felt like somebody hit me with a two by four. And Shelly, but you know what? You got to keep pressing forward. I'm sure there's a bunch of you in here that didn't want to be here because there's something else that really has got your attention. But you came. You pressed in. You pressed in because God has something for you. But we have to rule over our, our own spirit. We can't let that feelings and emotions rule over us. First John 1 John 1.8 and Amplified says, If we say we have no sin, refusing to admit that we are sinners, we delude and lead ourselves astray. And the truth which the gospel presents not in us does not dwell in our hearts. I like this scripture. If we deceive ourselves and refusing to admit that we are sinners, you can't identify what your weakness is because you don't really think you have one. And you delude yourselves, I'll delude myself, and it will lead me astray from what God wants to do for my life. It's the little foxes, it's the little words, it's the little things. That lead us astray. The devil ain't in no hurry. He'll let us destroy ourselves a little bit at a time. There's a church every week, Wednesday, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Bible study. Then it goes down to twice a week, then it goes down to once a week, and then it becomes a non existent thing because we're led astray. And most of that is emotional offenses, all sorts of stuff that the devil uses. 
Paul wrote it like this in Ephesians 4, 27 and 32. He said, neither give place to the devil. Let him that stole steal no more. And let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. But that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed unto the day of redemption. And let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you. With all malice. Malice means the desire to do good. It's in us. To do bad, I'm sorry. The desire to do, be yet, to do bad. And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. We want to be forgiven, but we don't want to forgive. When I came in from Manawa, my mom and dad passed away two years ago. My dad passed away four months later, and we have the house in the state. My sister uh, has been staying in it, but we had to do some things because the taxes wasn't paid and rent wasn't. Yeah, I mean, just it, it's just chaos. So I came in, and I told my sister, well, I know nobody other siblings want to help, but me and you, we're going to clean the house, and we'll put it up on the market, and, and I mean, just get rid of it. That's what my mom wanted to do. <clears throat> but we got in the house, and... It was like a quarter inch of dust all the way across all the ceiling fans, the roof, the showers. It was just pathetic. Now, I ain't speaking bad about my sister, but I'm showing you something. And my sister's got back problems, so I get to clean all the hairballs on the shower, take the track off on the shower, clean the little rails with Q-tips, the carpets, it's just blah, blah, blah. And me and my sister are there, and we're cleaning up. She goes, I can't believe, you know, my sister did this, blah, 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 man. And, uh, man, how could she do this? And then I come in agreement, yeah, man, this is stupid. I mean, we ought to just go ahead and tell the lawyer we're going to charge so much money to clean the house, and we'll do this like a business because we'd have had to hire somebody to come in here. And, and God said, hey, what'd you preach on last week? I said, dominate my thought life. He goes, you're not doing a very good job of it. I said, oh, Lord. He goes, I thought you're supposed to love one another. That's your sister. Yeah, Yeah, but God, look at the mess she left. Yeah, well, look at the mess you left. You helped put me on the cross. So I shut up. For a little while. We cleaned up, went home, sitting in the recliners. My sister said, man, I can't believe this. And then here I go to, yeah, this is stupid, man. I got it. The Holy Spirit, oh, we're going to start this again. So I looked at my sister. I said, Lad, you can believe me or not. She's a Christian. But God told me to shut up. And I'm telling you to shut up. Or me and you ain't going to talk no more. Because it's enough here and I don't need your help. But the next day we go clean. We did pretty good. But then I hear it seeping out again. Now that's me. That's my struggles. Those are the little every thoughts. Maybe that looks or sounds irrelevant, but in God's eyes it ain't. Because that's one of the scriptures he's against me. How can you say you love me that you can't see and you don't love your own sister even though she did what she did? Is she not my child? Isn't she a touch away just like you was when you was drinking and drugging? And in and out of prison? 
Isn't it the same grace that I'm supposed to show her that I showed you? Would you like me to lift the grace off of you so you can see who you really are? Gives us something to think about, huh? And you know what? If I let my feelings and emotions get in the middle of it, I'll lose that grace. And he'll show me who I am just because I'm stubborn. Man, y'all got quiet. I have have Shelly check out for tomatoes here in a second. That's why we have to dominate. That's why we have to forgive. For Christ's sake. And in reality, it's for your sake. Think about that. It says for Christ's sake, but it's really for your sake. It's for Christ's sake because he lives in you, but it's for your sake. And if you want to go to another level, you better learn. I better learn. So I had to learn to dominate the thoughts of that house and how we're going to handle things. And we're going to do things in the spirit and not in the flesh. And we're going to do it God's ways, not my ways. But my question now is, what thoughts are dominating you right now? You don't have to answer. Fear of the unknown. Maybe marriage, finances. What will I do? Insecurity, hate, anger, negativeness, unforgiveness. Those are the everies that it talks about in Second Corinthians 10, 5 and 4. The little things that just skate by. And the devil's over there in the corner laughing, saying, man, they're tearing themselves apart. They don't even need me. Let me move on to somebody else. As a man thinketh, so he is. Romans 6.13 in the KJV says, Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin with your mouth, your mind, and your emotions, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. His character will produce the righteousness of Jesus Christ in you. If we can manifest the character of Christ, you can dominate. Because everything that's in you will bow down to King Jesus. Now, you might go kicking and screaming like I do, but you will go if you're willing. You might have your little hissy fits along the way, but you will bow, it will bow down. But you have to do your part. You know, I have a young man I've been dealing with, and he says, well, you know, I'm willing, but I'm waiting for God. And I, I told him he could do it. I said, bro, you've got to do your part. God ain't going to sprinkle no fairy dust on your head, and it's gone. Now, he did it with me with drugs and alcohol, but as far as the thinking mind and your free will and emotions, ah, that's your job. Now, you can surrender it to him, and he'll help you through the power of the Holy Spirit, but he ain't going to come over there and just, hey, here's a little dust. I know you've been struggling, but here, let me put a little bit of dust on you so, so you won't have to struggle no more. Now you're the perfect little angel. Yeah, it don't work like that. If it did, I'd need about 500 gallons of it. We have to be alert and attentive to our feelings. Because your feelings are going to really indicate what's in here. It's kind of little flashing red light. You got to be alert and attentive to your feelings because it's going to indicate what's really in here. 
And what's really here is what you're really meditating on all day long in your innermost thought life. I feel, I think, then I speak. And once you speak, you're going to bear the fruit of what you spoke. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. You know, when Jesus cursed the tree, I believe he was showing the disciples, look, because Jesus was the giver of life. Why would he curse a tree that was going to produce fruit one day? I believe he was showing the disciples, look, you can either speak death to something or life. It's either going to live or it's going to die. But you have a choice and I have a choice to speak life in our lives or death over something. That was one of my biggest struggles as a child. There's a prison cell with your name on it. You're the black sheep of the family. You'll never amount to nothing. You're worthless. And I lived it because I grabbed hold of that. And I believed it, then I manifested that lifestyle. I'll tell you what, when I first got saved, and I mean, I had a negative, negative attitude. You know, I'll never have a good job. I don't have education. I've never finished high school. How am I going to have blah, 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 blah. God had enough of me. He said, look, you need to just shut up, change the way you're talking, and I can deal with you. Or you can keep talking like you're talking, and you're going to reap the fruit of that. You're going to stay broke, busted, and disgusted. You'll never get a good job, and you're never going to amount to nothing. Because that's what you said you was going to do. Whatever we focus on in our hearts is going to register as an emotion, and it's eventually going to come out of your mouth. The farm. I built it. It's a grace of God that I did it, because I've never built nothing. But I built it. It took nine years of work and sacrifice to build it. And now I'm gone and the church is growing and George is really getting the pat on the back for everything because Brother Frank ain't there no more. But if I listen to my feelings and pride that's wanting to raise up in me, I'm going to say, this ain't right, God. I sweat my butt off. You know how many chickens I killed? You know how many pigs I killed? You know how many miles we walked in the hot dirt? Yeah, he knows. But if I don't watch it, that negative attitude that I got and poor old me is going to control me. And then I'm going to manifest something negative in my life because actually I'm going to get aggravated to God. And if I keep it up, eventually I can separate from God because I get bitter. Or I can get better and say, you know what? Okay, yeah, it hurts. Yeah, I still start crying when I see the little kids. But you got something greater for me, and I'm just going to keep pressing forward until I see it and I manifest it in my life. Because my heart's always going to try to cancel out what God's doing in my life. Your heart's always going to try to cancel out what God's doing in your life. If you live in a little box and you're just comfortable in your little spot, you need to get out of it. God can't work with you. You know, that's one thing I like about Abraham. He said, go, walk. Where to? Just start walking. Yeah, but where? Just walk. Now what? Just walk. Hey, God, what, what am I going to do now? I don't hear nothing. I don't hear nothing. 
I'm sitting out in the driveway of my daughter's house drinking coffee by myself. My sons pull up. They have a friend of theirs with them. And, and, and it got rained out. And they told my sons they have to go back to work. And they leave me their friend there. And my God, he threw up. Not threw up, threw up. But he just spewed everything that was inside of him for four and a half hours. Just listen. And then I hear in my spirit, this is your pulpit for right now. The little boy's going to church now. I think he got back with his wife. But if I whine and complain because I don't have the farm no more, I can't manifest that. And I can't manifest whatever happened in that young man who was in Iowa, Louisiana. And I can't see what would have happened at the church at Solid Rock right here in Victorville. And God knows what somebody in here is going to pick up something in the spirit and you're going to glean off of this and you're going to change your life. But I won't see none of that if it's poor old Frank. This ain't right. How can God treat me like this? We understand what I'm saying? Because I tell you what, God's beating the heck out of me up here. I don't know how much more I can take. I'm feeling weak. We have to be careful with unbelief. Hebrews 3.12 in the KJV. I love this scripture. Hebrews 3.12 in the KJV. It says, take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing you from the living God. Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing you from the living God. He ain't talking to alcoholics. He's not talking to people in prison. He's not talking to people at the park. He's talking to the church. Brethren, be careful, brothers, lest a spirit of unbelief come upon you and depart you from the living God. Take heed, Frank, lest there be a spirit of bitterness, anger, and selfishness, and you get mad with me because I took you from that farm and it departs you from me. You're reading it. It's possible. You can live it if we're not careful. Let's go back to what I said earlier. How many people are not in the church that used to be in the church? What spirit stepped in through feelings and emotions and it just drug you away? God never left you. You departed from Him. It's a scary thing. It's a scary thing. So once again, what's your heart telling you? What thought is trying to step separate you from the living God to where you think it's not fair what's happening to you right now? You know, uh, the scripture yesterday in Proverbs 11, I think it was 11, uh, 9 or something like that, but it says that it's the chiseling away that God is doing you, doing on you is going to change your lifestyle. And David said, it is good that I was afflicted so I could regress back to your word and find your promises. You know, if we don't have afflictions and God's ain't chiseling us, we won't go to his word to get direction for our life. We won't change because we don't like the chiseling. We don't like the trials. We want everything to be hunky-dory. That's why we like to stay in our little box. I like my little box. 
Nobody messes with me. I don't have to live by faith much. I don't have to go help my neighbors. Oktoberfest is coming up. I gotta stay in my box. I ain't got to deal with that either. I don't want to go back to missions. I don't want to help nobody. It's a selfish life. It's a selfish place to be. Who was the first sin of man? Unbelief. Did God really say? That's a vain imagination. Did God really say that? Is he really talking to me? Is this really possible? The spirit of unbelief. And when things go wrong, why? Why God? Why you do? Why do we always blame God? Maybe you don't, but I've done it a lot of times. Why? My God, I sold a house. We sold a car. A shell in here. Here, it done cost us three grandkids. Now you let me come down with this and I'm in the hospital. You know, laying in this hospital bed with double catheters on. Why? Don't even know how to speak Spanish and we're trying to get by living in a hotel. Why? So it has to go from why to what can I learn from this? And believe that God will never leave you or forsake you. That he's with you through all things. And what the devil meant for the bad, he's going to turn it to the good. In one way or another, he's going to get the glory out of it. Does any of these things sound familiar to you? Those are a lot of the little every things that I'm talking about. First Peter 1, 14 and 15, it says, And now that you delight in obedience, do not shape your lives by the desires which used to dominate you. In the time of your ignorance, your old life, the old man. But in the imitation of the Holy One has called you to live holy in all your habits of life. Through discerning what God wants for you and what he wants for you to do. What do I mean by dominate? I mean change all your habits one by one. It's a process. Change what you meditate. Conquer that. What are we meditating on? Are we meditating on his word and the promises? Are we meditating on our problem and the lie? I mean, you all know as parents, man, somebody calls you one in the morning right off the bat. Your brain's thinking, man, my kid done gotten a wreck, blah, 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 blah. You done got him at the morgue. You got him, you know, IV stuck on their arm. And it's not even about that. We think the worst. We need to dominate and constantly stay attentive to his return through your speech and thought life. What is seeping out of this? You want to know what you're thinking? Listen to yourself. I'm being honest. Listen to what's coming out of this mouth. And that's really what you're thinking, even though you say you're not. Man, I'll never have nothing. I tried this tithing stuff. It don't work for me. Well, God didn't say he was going to do it in one week. He didn't even say he was going to do it in two months. He said, trust me. Look, when I was in the hospital, I claimed healing scriptures. But it didn't mean I didn't have to go through seven, uh, six surgeries. And I still had three to go, but he healed me on the sixth one. On a day that I was mad with God, aggravating, complaining because my catheters fell out of my shorts in front of all my workers and I felt like I was about this tall. And I told Shelly, pack my bags, I had enough, we're leaving. 
She goes, well, don't forget, you got a doctor's appointment. I said, you don't even want to know what I said. Uh, I went. And I go, and they send me to the emergency room again. I said, every time they did that, they, that meant that the, the surgery didn't stick, and I had to go through this again. So I go down there. By then, I'm already almost addicted to that medicine that killed Michael Jackson. It used to be like three cc's. Now I'm up to a bottle and a half to keep me knocked out because I'm immune to morphine and Demerol. They don't do me nothing. And I said, oh, man, here we go again. Knock me out. I wake up. Shelly goes, look down. I look down. Catheters are gone. And the doctor said, I don't know what happened. But you don't need no more surgeries. Go to the bathroom and pee for me. And I went. And I come back. Drink some more water. This went on for like three hours. They couldn't believe it. Supernatural healing on a day that I was aggravated and mad with God. They even took us to eat steak at the most expensive steakhouse because they still couldn't believe it. And would keep sending me to the bathroom. That's a picture of grace. That even though I'm aggravated with God mad, God said, I still love you. I know your heart. You're just a little stupid right now, running on feelings and emotions. I'll teach you that message in about four years. But for right now, I'll tolerate you. What's seeping out your mouth? You've got to take dominion over your desires and dominate all your weaknesses and imitate the life of Jesus in authority and character in your lives to live in the kingdom of God on this earth. You cannot dominate your life if you can't do three things. We spoke about this yesterday. If you can't name it, you can't frame it. If you can't frame it, you can't tame it. Name it. What is my issue? Fear, depression, oppression, bitterness? Frame it. Identify and realize that you've got an issue right here. Admit it. Repent of it. Now you can tame it because now you go to the Word of God that conquers that. Now you conquered it through dominion and you move on to your next issue. Don't try to fix fix ten issues at one time because you're going to get aggravated and you can't do it. Start with one. You know, I used this example with a young man. He goes, well, where would I start? I said, well, he, he wanted to do, I, I can't remember. I said, well, look, here's a good idea. If you have problems in your marriage and issues, start with your finances. Because most of the problems of marriage start with your finances. Because there's not enough money, y'all start arguing and bitter. Y'all know. I can see your heads. Look, y'all look like a bunch of chickens looking for feed. We're in agreement. Good. I said, start with your finances, tear up that stupid credit card, and if you don't have the cash to buy it, you don't need it. Because if you can fix it and dominate that, now you dominated issues in your marriage that aren't going to be there no more because now you have money. And if you can dominate that, now you got money that you can sow into the kingdom, help missions, help the neighborhood, help people, because you got extra cash. And you can give tithes and offerings, and then you'll see God bless it. And because you don't have a card, you're not going to spend it because I always spend it more than you really should be spending because you didn't tear up the card. And then you're paying the minimum, and you're in debt up to here in Egypt for 30 more years. So dominate that first. And then that has a domino effect. Is Robert in here? Oh, Lord, I wasn't going to talk about you. 
But you ain't getting away. It's Susan right here. Yesterday they took us to go eat. I'm diabetic. But, you know, i got to eat right. i got to eat right. Or I'll go to heaven a little sooner than what God planned on my stupidity. But i got some good friends. We went to go eat. And they took me to Eddie's. Anybody know what Eddie's is? Yeah. My God, that's a diabetic heaven right there. I see all these candies and candies that I haven't seen in years and the little root beer candies. And, and then I got Robert telling me, you know, you can't eat all that. What would you bring me here for? And he's right. Look, bless her. I love her. She gave me an apple pie yesterday. I had to send it with Brother Bob just so I wouldn't eat that thing at the hotel. Now i got to fight that devil when I get back to Victorville today. But if I don't dominate that, it's going to dominate me. No, no condemnation. I love them. I, I, I don't know how I got out of that Eddie's, man. I was shaking. I was like, get me out of here. We bought one bag of candy, little fireballs. But I figured I could throw those on the ground and they break into little pieces and I can just eat a little piece at a time. I don't know if that's truth or not, but I'm going to try it. I left them in the bag just so you know. I didn't eat them. And my God, if we can't dominate the little things in our life, how are we going to dominate big things in our life? How are we going to conquer the devil? How are we going to take ground? You're not. You're not. We have to dominate to live in the kingdom on this earth. And it's not about you, cupcake. You're dominating so you can prosper, so you can be a blessing to other people. He gives seed to the sower, not the eater. But if you can't frame nothing and admit you have an issue, you're not going to tame it. You've got to identify. This is very important. You cannot dominate something that you don't want to admit that you have a problem with. Whether it be pride, anger, bitterness, and forgiveness. If you say, I don't have an issue in that area, it's a closed subject. And God can't do nothing with you. Because you really don't think you have a problem. And I got news for y'all. We all have issues. We all have issues. Romans 5.17 says, For if through the transgression of the one individual Adam, death made use of that one, which is Jesus, to seize the opportunity to reign in sovereignty, all of the more shall those who receive God's overflowing grace and abundance and gift of righteousness reign as kings in life through the one Jesus Christ. We can reign here on this earth in life through Jesus Christ. You can take dominion over your life through Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit. I don't know if I said it earlier. It's one thing if you're baptized and you have the Holy Ghost, but it's a whole different ball game when the Holy Ghost has you. Because when you have the Holy Spirit, you're going to do what you want to do. And you're not going to listen to him when you don't want to listen. But when the Holy Ghost has you, you ain't got no peace till you do what he tells you to do. But you got to identify it. You can have energy, deep desires, and a personal confidence in yourself. But if you don't dominate every area of life, the many forces will eventually 
take over and overthrow you, and you cannot manifest the kingdom of God. It will not happen. What are insignificant forces? Depression, fear, bitterness, less than, insecurity. Oh, it's a list. It's a list. Don't identify. You can't dominate that. And you've got to start dominating, not with your husband, not with your wife, with you. With you. You're your problem. You don't need a devil. Your own thinking brain. I like that book by Joyce Meyer, Battlefield of the Mind. Y'all read it? Powerful book. We want to blame the devil for everything. And man, half the time the devil's not even around. It's us. Dominate yourself. Don't worry about other people. Conquer your giant right now. What's your giant right now in this season of life that you're living? My giant is a peer. I want to get into a pity pot and aggravated because in reality it's a spirit of pride because I want to get the credit that George is getting. Until I have to come to a point, you know what? That's selfish. That's pride. I didn't build that. God built that. That's God's work. Now it's George's turn to take over and run with that torch. And you know, this morning I'm sitting at the hotel and I'm thinking, you know, I'm looking at it from my aspect, but I haven't looked at it from George's aspect. What does George feel like? He's my spiritual son. He's 22. He has a degree in pharmaceutical and he's sitting next to me killing chickens. That makes a lot of sense. And now his papa in the spirit leaves him. He's there by himself. You're 22 years old. You've hardly never preached. You've just listened and everything gets thrown in your lap. Can you imagine what his feelings are telling him? And when he talks to me, I can hear it in his voice that he wants to cry. When you coming back? When you coming back? I miss you. When you coming back? And he sends me a bunch of pictures. You know, at least I'm a little bit more firm in Christ because he's a young man. But to have all that responsibility, feeding stations, kids, managing the farm, and all I do is micromanage the finances from here, that's some weight. So even in that, I'm being selfish because I'm worried about me. I never even thought about George. So now I have to dominate that. And I started this morning. More prayer for George and Haseli, Pastor Aldo, and Pastor Francisco, and hedge them in because it's not about me. It's about them. If that's going to keep growing, I have to keep that hedged in and build a wall up higher because it's getting worse. What voice is talking to you? What's talking to you right now that's taking you out of your potential of what Christ has for you? It can be anything. It could be serving up the praise and worship band. It could be cleaning up around here. It could be ushering. I mean, it could be missions. It can be all sorts of things. Or even at work or, or, or being as a parent. I mean, what is speaking to you that is limiting your potential? What's your big struggle? Work on that. Start with that. And I know we have a lot, but if we don't start somewhere, yeah, we're never going to get nowhere. And you have to go to a new season. Everything's in seasons with the Lord. We don't stay the same all the time. There's always transition every seven, eight, sometimes ten years. It's got to be about His things, not my things. 
We want to take dominion over our lives. It has a domino effect. It's not just about you. It's about your children and children's children. It's generational. It's about whose lives will be changed through your ministry here with the youth. What will they do? How many Joshua's and Caleb's and Timothy's and Ruth's and Naomi are here? But if we're just worried about our own little world, you won't manifest that and you'll never see it. Until you get to heaven and Papa God's going to say, man, look what I had out for you and you didn't want to. You was just worried about your little life and I just want to get by and I'm going to heaven and I'm good. I don't think so. If that was the case, you know, I hear a lot of songs. I can't remember the names of them right now, but, you know, it's pretty much saying, hurry up and take me home. I've had enough while I'm on this earth. That's a selfish life. We was designed as a carriage that carries the King, Jesus, in us to make a difference. To go out into the mission fields. To go out into those neighborhoods. To go out into the communities. To go out into other churches. To preach the Gospels. What did Jesus do? He went around what? Doing good. It's so simple. Going around doing good. Loving one another as Christ loves us. When you can love unconditionally, you would be surprised how many things would change in your life. You would be surprised how many things just flow to you and opportunities. We have to stay focused on prophetic vision with motion forward. Being a seer for your life. I spoke about this yesterday. The prophets of old, they called them seers, not prophets. They could see what's out there. If you sit down and fellowship with God, you can see what God has for this church. Some of it you can explain, some you can't. You know, I look at the new retreat area. Yeah, I mean, on the pictures, it's just three walls and a roof with no front doors or nothing. But in my spirit, in my seer, I see the doors. I see them countersunk. I see the air conditioner. I see the back wall lined up with classrooms. I see the rest of the soccer field. I see pastors coming in for pastor's conference. I see the women's conference. I see the biker's conference. I see all that. So all I got to do is keep pressing in that direction and it'll manifest. I think that's what tears me up with so much with these videos is that in reality the devil deceives me and because things are going bad and everything's chaotic, you think you really didn't do nothing. Or when the church goes from 120 to 60 or 70 or 20 or 10 and you're preparing messages all week, you feel less than. And you ask stupid questions like, God, is my time up? Did I screw up? Did I make a mistake? Why? But if I stay focused on what I see and I know, I don't let that bother me. Because I don't have to understand it. And I know one thing, there's a growth process in the middle of all of it right now. God's just chiseling away on us, reforming us for the new season. We'll work back there. We'll not work over here. We'll work for you five years ago. We'll not work for you in the future. It's all in transition. If you can see it, you can manifest it. My son Jeremiah, we was talking one day, and he wanted to take me to eat lunch. 
He said, Dad, come get me. We'll go eat barbecue. This place is really good, and I want some brisket and sausage and macaroni and beans. Ah, all right, whatever. So the next day I go, and I pick him up. And we go. We go get what he wanted, the brisket and sausage, macaroni, and the beans. But then about a week later, we're talking. He goes, man, I'd really like to get into this church stuff. But man, it's cost you all so much. And, and then all my friends are going to leave me. I said, yeah, but that's the way it is, Jeremiah. He goes, yeah, but then uh, how about this? How about this? What am I going to do for a place? What am I, blah, blah, blah. I mean, he was just going on. I said, Jeremiah, whatever you can see and you can speak, you can live it. He goes, but Dad, how do you do it to help us and you don't even work? I said, I do work and I got the best boss in the world. And I lack nothing. You don't have to understand it. And you don't even have to believe it. But I believe it and I live it. He goes, well, I don't know about all that. I said, what did you do yesterday? He said, what do you mean? I said, what you said you wanted to do? He says, well, I said I wanted to take you to eat barbecue, and I wanted to eat, you know, the, the brisket and the sausage and the beans and the macaroni. I said, and what did we do? He said, well, we went and ate. I said, you see, the day before you spoke it, you saw it, and then the next day you ate it. So whatever you're seeing, speak it, then you eat it. Now, I'm not just talking food. I'm talking houses, cars, jobs, grants to go to the university, even though nobody in your family's ever gone. If you know in your knower that God's telling you you're supposed to be a doctor and nobody in your family's ever been a doctor and you don't think you have the education, guess what? If God told you you can do it, it's done. You're looking at a man in front of you that didn't finish high school, always in and out of jail, in trouble, drugs, alcohol, in prison. And don't get your feathers ruffled. But if God can use a jackass like me, he can surely do something with your life. That, that, that word is in the Bible, so don't get your feathers ruffled. But that doesn't mean that from getting from there to here, I don't feel like I want to throw up all over the place because I don't like speaking in front of people. But I've learned that God has a word on my tongue and Isaiah 61 says, I've called you and anointed you to preach the Gospels and set the captive free. And I always say, well, I don't go to no prisons. You know, but we're all captive. And what we preach is getting out of this jail cell, not that jail cell. So I'm called to set the captive free. And I just got to believe by faith that something that I say is going to break a wall in your life, going to bust a chain in your life, and is going to set you free so where you can see what God wants to do with you. And it don't matter what devil in hell is coming against you right now. The anointing of God is here to break all chains and yokes and bondages. If you believe and if you can walk forward in faith. Because we serve a good God. We serve a merciful God. We serve a God that doesn't hold nothing against us. Because he loves you. I'm not going to finish this message, but you know what? I don't need to. You already got it. And for the ones that didn't get it, wrap your mind around this one. I was had a ten year prison cell of sentence. I was second year second year and three months into it. By this time I've become the head cook in the kitchen. I had trustees working for me. I had a Bible study. I'm looking out the windows, December Third, I always forget that date. Just looking. Say, man, another Christmas without my kids. But by this time, I had favor in that jail. I could take the police car, go to Domino's, get food for my trustees. 
I was tight with the warden. I was tight with the DA's office, even though they're the ones that gave me the 10 years flat. Shelly would send me food stamps. I'd give it to the guard. He'd go buy me chips and cookies and everything. And I put the cigarette machine business out of business. I put the cookie machine out of business. I put the store out of business. I trade cigarettes. I was just do what I do. I always had fifteen, eighteen hundred dollars cash on me in prison. I loaned money to the guards because they only got paid once a month, and they didn't want their wives finding out that they was going out. And I'm looking out this window. I said, "God, another year in here, man." And I hear the chains coming. Clink, 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 clink. I look at. His name was Boone. I said, "What'd I do?" I don't know. They want you in the courtroom. Put these chains on. And they never put none on my ankles, but they did this day. I said, oh, Lord, they done caught me racketeering in here. I said, well, how are they going to catch me? Because all the police and the warden all owe me money. And I made boats out of matchsticks, you know, shrimp boats. Everything worked. The lawyers would buy them for me for six, $700. And then when Shelly sent me food stamps, I converted to cash. I sent it back to her so she'd have for the kids. I was all right. I just didn't want to be there. They take me to court, and the judge says, Frank, you're a good person. You just had a drug problem. I'm going to let you go today. I'm going to let you go seven years and eight months early. But you know, God already knew that in six months I'd be doing the same stupid thing again. Doping, drinking. I know, that's what I said. But if that ain't a photo and a picture of the grace and mercy of God, I don't know what is. So I don't know what lie the devil has told you. I don't know where you feel less than. I don't know where you feel like you can't do it. But I'm here to tell you, You can do it, and God loves you, and his grace and his mercy is upon you. And if you have kids that are in jail or in problems or on the streets, start praying for them like my mama prayed for me. Because I remember I used to tell my mother, you see this beer can right here, this Budweiser can? You're going to bury me with this can. She goes, no, you'll be preaching one day. Oh, that used to make me so mad. And then I'd have a little sarcastic Remark, I tell you what, I even want you to make my casket to look like a Budweiser can. That's arrogant. I believe with all my heart that everyone of you has already got a little every inside of you right now that you're thinking and you're saying, I didn't realize this is what was holding me up. It seems so minute, so little, so irrelevant. But God says, no, if you can deal with that, if you can dominate that, I can catapult you to another level in my kingdom. I can use you in places you thought I can't use you in. You're looking at your education, your background, your race, and it has nothing to do with nothing in the kingdom. God loves us all. He can give you supernatural wisdom. You know, Brother Bob was here yesterday. My God, that man, 
everything just falls in his lap. I mean, he buy a house just to buy it and sit on it. Next thing you know, somebody wants to come and buy it and he'll make eighty, ninety thousand dollars clear profit. Boom, like that. But he prays, God, give me opportunities. Now, he's made a couple mistakes and moved in the flesh and bought the wrong house and he didn't do right. But now he knows how to discern the Holy Ghost from feelings. You need to move in the Holy Ghost to see what God has for you in your life. Don't move in feelings and emotions because it will get you nowhere. You know, I like what John said. He must increase so I can decrease. I must decrease so he can increase. I must die for him to live. And there was John no more. Problem is with us, he must increase and I must decrease. But we don't like to decrease. We never get out the picture. We just fade in and out. God, I can deal with this. And if I need you, I'm going to call you. (laughs) Okay. How did it work for you last time? Where is our death process? You know, I haven't finished the message, but it's seed. I don't know if I'm going to call it seed reconstruction. Or remolding the seed. Because I've been studying it, but I found out that a hybrid seed produces the best quality of fruit. It's more vibrant. Plagues can't hit it. Stronger. Produces a better fruit. But the original seed is made of a male and female seed. And you can cross those two and try to come across with a better seed, but it don't work like a hybrid seed. And every seed has an outside shell that's hard, really hard. And it takes a lot of heat to get it to bust open, to germinate. Now, you see, the seed that we're made of is from our mama and papa. And what comes from their mama and papa. And all that's in us. So it's difficult to come up with a perfect seed to germinate a perfect fruit if we rely on the seed from our mama and papa. So we got to get out of that seed and get into the seed of the hybrid, which is Father God, and think with his seed of speaking new words prophetically at a new level to produce life. The thing is, with a seed, when you sow it, it takes heat to get it to germinate and crack. Oh, you're not hearing me. I said it takes heat to germinate it and make it crack. Because it's hard. It's hard-headed. And I don't like the heat. Because it hurts. It burns. And sometimes we complain and whine because it's a little hot in here. Not in here, but in here. God, I don't know how much more I can take of this. I can't handle it no more. My finances are out here and there and my marriage. I don't know what I'm going to do. What are you doing to me? I can't take it no more. And God says, hey, look, I'm not going to give you more than you can handle. But don't fight the heat. Because if I don't put the right heat on you, your shell's not going to crack. And you will not germinate to produce the fruit that I want to come out of you. Boy, y'all got quiet. 
That's my life right now. I want to sit in the cooler because it's hot. I don't understand what's happening around me completely. Everything I do, I have to do. What we do, we have to do by faith. But God never leaves us. We always have somewhere to stay. We always have food in front of us. Too much food a lot of the times. Our bills are paid. The farm is fine. The farm is growing. So you would think I wouldn't be fighting the heat from the seed, but I do. But here's the issue. If you don't let God put it on you, if you don't allow him to put that pressure on you, the seed rots because it never germinates. And what God wanted to do with you, he cannot do. I'm going to let y'all soak that in. I said the seed rots. And all your potential, what you could have done, what you should have done, the domino effect that goes with that, it's gone. You know, it, I always say that extension cord over there, it's probably 100 foot long. That's a picture of eternity. But we focus on the first three inches of that cord which is temporal, our life here on earth. We worry about that little piece plugged into the wall and try to save for the houses, cars, and have beach houses, and have this and have that. There's nothing wrong with that if God blesses you and you're still being a blessing. But if your focus is on that and you're losing focus on eternity, what are you going to have when you get to heaven? My God, if you're here 90 years, that's still nothing. And for y'all that are older, I'm not old, but you know. Older than the young ones. The time flies. Man, it seems like one day comes and it goes quick. And we're so focused on the temporal and not the eternal that we miss it. We ain't got time to waste. Everything that you do, you should look in a direction to sow. Whether it's a hug, a word, a gift card, just a plate of food, a shirt, whatever. If you can meet somebody's need, look at where you can impact and change lives. You know, my pastor, man, uh, he, he is a, a chaplain. He's with the morgue. He rides with the police. He, he preaches six days a week. We do conferences. Um, I don't know how they do it. They're 72 years old. But he's trained us that you need to learn to sow constantly with motion forward. Because if not, you'll become stagnant and God can do nothing with you. And what you sow out there... Maybe you won't reap it because you're 75 and 76, but your children sure can use it. You know, it's kind of like if, if you see somebody with a flat on the side of the road, if you can help them, stop and help them, because it might be your daughter on the road one night. But if you don't sow in that direction, you're not going to get it. You know, let people in traffic, because one day you're going to want to get in traffic, then you're going to get mad and, and, and show them how many uh, kids you wish you had. Because they didn't let you in. Happened to me yesterday. And I was just sitting in the driver's side, passenger side. So what do you want in your life? So in that direction. You know, I remember one time I, I, I told God, I said, man, Lord, I really want to make this much being a project manager. Everybody else makes more. And God told me, so in that direction. I said, Lord. 
hard to give 120 a week. Yeah, but you want to make 2,500 a week, right? Yeah, well, so 250 a week. Uh, well, that wasn't quite my idea. How about if you give me the, the 2,500 a week and then I'll sew with no problem? But Shelly and I had to sew for six months and then I got my raise and not only did I get up my raise, we got a $90,000 Christmas bonus. So you sow in the direction of what you want to reap. If you feel oppressed, go to the nursing home and sow into them people's lives. If you're feeling sick, go to the hospital and pray over them people. If your finances are a little tight, sow into somebody's life. Sow yourself out of it to reap a better life. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.